We all think about what we eat. We plan our meals or count carbs or do any number of other things when it comes to what we put in our bodies. But do you ever think about the flavor of what you consume? Sure you do. What we eat or drink either tastes good or it doesn't. In fact, taste is the number one consideration in what we consume. Yet there's more to it than just like or dislike, and there's even a whole industry dedicated to it. Flavor is memory. Flavor is feeling. Flavor is science. Flavor is art. Flavor is McCormick Fauna. I'm Corey Doucette, and welcome to our Flavor University podcast, where we explore the science, artistry, and industry behind flavor. Within a busy world and our busy lives, we need things fast. This is nothing new. Life moves at the speed of information. And on today's podcast, we're going to give you five fast trends that we're watching so you don't have to slow down. We're joined once again by Pamela Oscarson, our Senior Manager of Consumer and Market Insight, to give us the fast facts. Hey, Pamela. Hey, Corey. Thanks for having me back. Of course. What is this, like eight, nine? What are we at? Five? I think five or six. I think you're, you're, our, you're our most repeated guest, which is, which is wonderful. We're always glad to have you back to give us you know, what's new and what's now kind of deal. So why don't you introduce yourself once again and tell us what you do? Sure. My name is Pamela Oskerson. I am the Senior Manager on the Consumer and Market Insight team. I essentially um, put the voice of the consumer in all of the different categories that we cover. Through that, it's tracking trends quickly, right, through our trend flash. And how often do you track or update these trends that we're going to go through today? So an official presentation deck is usually shared once a year, but this is something that we keep our pulse on all of the time because things are changing quickly and we need to be kind of ahead of the curve and figuring out what's coming next so that we can best help our customers and guide them where they need to go. So what are these five facts? What are five insights? What are we dealing with today? Sure. So the first is back to the future. Then we're going to go into give me an experience, um, healthy halo, frugal gourmet, and within reach. So Lots of different categories, um, depending or trends, depending on the areas that our customers cover. So there's pretty much something here for everyone. So let's get right into it. I love doing the nitty gritty, you know, the the micro. What is this called again? Micro. So these are micro trends. So these are a little closer in. So it's every everything from like three months could affect your business to 24 months. It's kind of showing shifts in consumer behavior based on other things that they are seeing within the industry. So happening very quickly. So an excellent example of this is pickle, right? We've seen pickle pretty much everywhere. Even though it's a classic flavor profile, get it with your hot dog or hamburger, it has within the past six months grown and we're seeing pickle flavor items pretty much everywhere. We had Take Your Child to Work Day on last Friday and I was curious because they had a big tin of pickles at the end of the buffet line and I'm seeing kids walk away with just handsful, handsfuls and handsfuls of these. And it's amazing. I am also one of those people who enjoys, you know, canning pickles or eating pickles or pickle flavor, but let's, let's dive right into the first one here. Let's talk about back to the future. I'm going to refer to you as doc while we're talking about this, if that's cool. So doc, if you could tell me more about, you know, going back to the future about taste nostalgia, I love, you know, talking about things from my childhood or those TikToks that always come up on my feet about flavors that don't exist anymore, you know, 3D uh, Doritos. But I think those made a comeback, which is probably what we're going to talk about. So, Pamela, please take it away. And you can call me Doc only if I can call you McFly. Done. Okay, deal. All right. So our first trend today is Back to the Future. And this is what I'm essentially calling us taste for nostalgia. So this trend kind of focuses on consumers' increased desire for nostalgic flavors. So that kind of yearning for the taste of your childhood and how it essentially affects your core memories. 
it, it made me feel good. So I want to have more of it. And it drives that excitement to be a kid again. So we're excited to see a lot of those flavors making a comeback. But we're not only seeing it in areas of food. We also look to fashion. And we're seeing that mom jeans and fanny packs are also making a comeback. So there are other areas and other industries that are also inspired by nostalgia as well. Are they marketing them as mom jeans? I'm just curious. Like They are, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Do you do you have a nostalgic food that they're bringing back for you? Oh, gosh. Um, I think there's a lot of them. I think it's like apple pie that you're seeing make a comeback, but also things like um, the boo buckets within McDonald's, right? Those have made a comeback. Um, Taco Bell also did a social media campaign asking consumers to vote on which type of menu item they want to make a comeback. I think it's it could be anything. A lot of mine are family recipes that like so whether it's making pierogies, something that we did with my mom or it's my grandma's recipe. Those are the things that are triggering. But also seeing um, breakfast cereals make a, a comeback within children. Lots of different things. Do you have a favorite nostalgic flavor? I do. I don't know if you guys remember these, but planters put out these things called PB Crisp. They haven't brought them back yet. I want to be on the board that like, you know, starts fighting for these. They were like crispy outsides with peanut butter insides. I could take down a whole bag of those. No problem. It's funny that you're talking about the cereals making a comeback. I saw a cereal box that was clearly from my, my childhood. It was Mr. T cereal. Like you could go there. Mr. T was on the box. It was basically just Captain Crunch, but shaped differently. Okay. But they're doing that for the Mario movie that just came out. They did Mario cereal. They're doing a Guardians of the Galaxy cereals, which, I mean, I saw those and I was just like, Mario cereal? Yes. Sign me up for that. But I know, I think we've talked about this before, you and I, about your the pierogies for your family, the recipe. Yeah. Definitely, you know, but you don't see that kind of nostalgia in there because I think that's more specific to each person. Exactly. So that like... The hard part about nostalgia is as important it is to consumers, it's something different because as we, even in our, within our workplace, when you're like, oh, I remember this or do you remember that? And then our younger colleagues are like, oh, I was only in third grade at that time, right? So nostalgia means something different depending on the, the time or the generation that you are. But even like my son at nine, we, I was, we were talking about nostalgia. Like to him, it isn't there. There isn't a, a span of years, a great enough span of years in order for him to be nostalgic of anything because he was a picky eater, right? Like he only ate pancakes and waffles for many early years of his life. So like to him, I guess those could be nostalgic, but he's always eaten those. So I think it's it's different and it varies depending on your age. I wonder for me, like I think my nostalgia years instead of like wonder years, I have nostalgia years and mine were obviously in the 90s, early 90s. I wonder like what determines this is my nostalgia year, you know, not necessarily like your you know, your golden years are the best years of your life because, you know, every year is the best year of your life, depending on how you live it. You know, there's right. a little tip from me to, you know, our listeners and, and you if you want it. But please, let's talk about those boo buckets, though. I mean, we did like Pokemon on that had to catch them all kind of thing. I got two of them. We got the boo boo bucket and we got the witch boo bucket. Couldn't get our hands on the pumpkin one. We called and this is how dedicated we were to this, my wife and I literally called several McDonald's going, do you have the pumpkin one? Do you have the McPumpkin? Do you have it? And we could could not find that. So are we seeing these trends extend not just in like grocery stores, but also to restaurants? Are there any other restaurants that are doing kind of these callbacks? Um, so I did mention Taco Bell. It's funny that you did bring up Taco Bell. Well, there's one right by my house and I'm an avid consumer of Taco Bell. I could probably recite their menu if you want, but 
their marketing may is also seemingly tied into this kind of throwback because it always looks like the you know the 80s kind of like neon colors or those cups with the green slash and the white on there but you also mentioned there are you know other flavors that are coming on here i'm seeing like neapolitan oreos neapolitan oreos we're also seeing hershey have a cotton candy flavored um, chocolate bar um even like stacy's pita chips did girl scout flavored thin mint everyone loves those but dorito did kind of you mentioned doritos but they did kind of a throwback packaging with their taco flavor oh yeah lays is doing fan favorites um they had a deep dish pizza so since i was born and raised in chicago so huge Huge consumer of deep dish pizza. So excited to see that. But also Van Leeuwen, um, the ice cream, very trendy. Everything from ranch flavor to your sweet potato casserole. Mac and cheese. Right? Mac and, yeah. So lots of different, right? Where it gets you to like, oh, it's interesting. I don't know if I'm going to like it, but I have to try it. I feel like some brands are, are really more on board with this or maybe just cashing in on this more. Oreo's always got a new flavor. I mean, whether it's birthday cake or Neapolitan or cinnamon bun, which I, I mean, all of those, you know, you see them and you've got to try, you know, same thing with Lay's and the different Lay's that they come out with, especially if you go internationally. I just saw one that was like a special edition pork belly Lay's never had pork belly, but would totally eat that. Okay. So I'm going to dip out of the nostalgia here because I would stay here all day if you let me. So let's, let's go on number two. What's, what's number two. It's give me an experience. So we're talking about experiential value. So think about the past three years of our lives, right, under lockdown, where we're watching endless Netflix and spending lots of time with our families. So then consumers are finally starting to say, I need to leave this house and we need to do something else together. So that gives me an experience where consumers are seeking out fun things outside the four walls of their home. So I'm calling it give me an experience. Awesome. And now when we're talking experiences, are we talking just flavor experiences or just like everything, like from the decor to how the food is prepared experience. Yes, pretty much everything. So think about there's been Saved by the Bell TV show pop-ups, right? There's all of those things. So it's not only the decor, but it's, hey, I love that TV show, right? A little, we're combining a little retro here as well, right? Throwback, but also seeing, seeing things like um, table side service, which is something that kind of went away during the pandemic to coming back. And we're introducing Flaming Duck and giant sundays and there's lots of things but consumers are also seeking out like okay there was a huge increase in searches on yelp for underwater dining right crazy never would have even thought but also dinner theaters so taking a kind of one step back where like your whole family can enjoy and there's a huge increase of people finding where's a dinner theater where's something that we can go and, and do together for fun just come to my house we have a dinner theater with my two kids every night i right. mean you never know what's gonna get thrown so I'm seeing a lot of this new thing in different social medias where it's Asian cuisine and it's noodles and the noodles are prepared and then put into like a, a flume, a noodle. <laughs> and I don't know if you see this, but they, they take the child, you know, you sit there with your chopsticks and there's like three or four people in the same line as you. And you basically catch the noodles as they come down. And then you're supposed to put them in the different sauces or broths that you got. I feel like the only experience that I've had other than like hibachi kind of stuff is, have you seen any of those restaurants that, you know, basically verbally abuse you while you're eating? I don't have a preference for that. I, you know, I'm there to enjoy it, but like also to your point, the have an experience or, you know, kind of tagging in with different television shows, Stranger Things has pizza boxes that are now in stores 
But what's this Save by the Bell pop-up? They got the Max going on somewhere? They did. Last summer they had, there was a pop-up in Chicago that was Save by the Bell and people were going and dining in the Max. So people are looking for that kind of like, they don't want to just get out. They want to get out and see something. I think that's it, where consumers are finding higher prices when they're going to the supermarkets, the grocery stores, but they're like, man, I get home. And I see those memes where like, I wish I was the person I that did the grocery shopping because now they're ordering takeout. So it's it's giving them an experience, putting their money where their mouth is, essentially. They're willing to pay for those experiences if they're done right. How many times, we and we've eaten out way less since COVID because we cook a lot more at home and we often feel like we're going to restaurants and we're often disappointed because it costs so much. And you're like, oh, it wasn't great. Like we should have just eaten at home. So doing it right and giving consumers the right experiences will keep them coming back for more. Yeah. What is this that I'm seeing on my page? What is a Cheez-It Hotel? So Cheez-Its did for a college football bowl. They uh, they were raffling off essentially a hotel room that was Cheez-Its from top to bottom. Everything from the shower curtain, the wallpaper, the pillows, the rugs, you name it to create, obviously, their brand loyal consumers, creating that experience for them. Like, can you imagine going like, oh, yeah, I stayed at a Cheez-It Hotel once in a lifetime experience. And they were raffling it off for those that love the college football bowl. That's awesome. There's a Taco Bell hotel that does like you can sleep on the sauce packets and you can you can order like they have buffets there of like just Taco Bell tacos. That's why I, it's in Las Vegas, I think. I can't go there. It will not be pretty. Like people be spending money on blackjack. I'll be like, give me a crunch wrap. Give me two. Keep it coming. So to go out, obviously, to do these special things are expensive, as you've discussed or as we've discussed here. Are people bringing it home too? Are they doing like themed party kind of thing? Yes, we are seeing there's a huge increase in DIY kits because people are now having people back into their homes for dinner parties, types of experiences, whether they have the giant uh, movie wall theater for an outdoor movie or they're doing mochi kits or sushi making kits. So you've seen the pictures online of the charcuterie boards that are their giant islands and right like how can we create these flower roses from salami or whatever pepperoni whatever it ends up being so bringing people back into their homes to have those a little more affordable experiences and enjoying the company of others as well yeah i i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna say that i'm copywriting this right now but i'm going to create a bag service that does like just nostalgic parties or like tv shows and whatnot and then i'm taking this from the internet as well but for if you're having like you know, for a real man's man kind of thing, instead of a charcuterie board, we're going to be doing a snackle box. Have you heard you that know. term? Yeah. Which I, I, I absolutely love. Uh, my daughter has a bento box at home and she calls it her snackle box because I've said it so many times. And it's adorable when she says it. But if I want to throw one of these parties or if I want to do one of these experiences, do you have any advice on that? I would just Google what you love because there are over 61 million results when you do D when you search on Google for DIY home cooking kit. So it all depends on what you like, right? You want your snackle box. I might want a baking party, right? So something a little bit different, but the options are endless for everyone. So capping off on our give me an experience, let's move on to number three for us, which is the healthy halo. What is a healthy halo? Is it that little angel on my shoulder that says, you know, eat this, don't eat that kind of thing? I wish it was that easy. So healthy halo, it's essentially a balancing act. Consumers want to have their cake and eat it too, right? So they want to have things that are organic or have vitamins and minerals or low in calories. But it's also where the intersection of healthy and delicious, right? You talked earlier, like taste is so important, especially on healthier, healthier items. 
So I know some restaurants, I'm remembering like Chili's, whatever, uh, Olive Garden used to do check marks next to the healthier options. Is that section growing on restaurant in restaurant menus or is are more restaurants jumping on that bandwagon and doing that kind of thing? So I, th- I think we are seeing so healthier sections within restaurant menus. There's always a little tiny little box on the back, right, where you're like, here's your healthier offerings, but also adding calorie counts to the menus when you're going to quick service restaurants or even within the regular dining menus where you're like, oh gosh, right? Like I'm going to rethink this or I can splurge, right? I've, I I went for a run, right? It's it's definitely making that balance, but we're also seeing um, specific menu items on menus. So like oat milk, right? You can pretty much get it anywhere. Starbucks, Dunkin' to create that latte, but we're also seeing it in places like TCBY where there's an oat milk frozen yogurt. Um, so definitely different offerings for consumers. Is there something about the trend of protein? I'm seeing a lot of like recipe videos, TikTok videos of people like really pushing like, hey, make this high protein, make this McDonald's chicken sandwich, you know, high protein, but less fat, less carbs or whatever. Is that something we're seeing too? Yeah. So the one that's happening right now is the um, the cookie dough made with cottage cheese and a scoop of vanilla protein powder to create this cookie dough-esque type of thing. So high protein where you're like, oh yes, cookie dough is delicious, right? Here, let's have a healthier offering as well. But I think there are tons of different TikTok or even Instagram spins on healthier offerings. Let's make the protein high. Let's reduce the bun. Let's have it be in like a lettuce wrap or something like that. So different types of offerings, even plant-based is becoming huge on menus where having different types of options, whether it's your milk or your meat or even the egg offering as well. Yeah. Impossible meat seems to be everywhere, making the impossible possible kind of thing. Let's move on to number four, which is the frugal gourmet, which, you know, everybody's trying to stretch a dollar by using sustainable goods. You know, I myself, you know, buy pasta in bulk loads, not just because that's all my kids eat, but also it's cheap and it goes far. So what's going on here? Yeah. So it's essentially frugal gourmet, but also value redefined. So while we have taste as kind of a a key consideration as a key attribute in terms of how consumers are deciding what they're going to be purchasing. Um, But they're placing, also placing greater priority on value. But it's not just value in terms of cost. It's in terms of what is this, what do I value about this product? And is it worth it for me to spend the money here? And that's happening in grocery stores and restaurants or? It's happening pretty much everywhere. So it's back to a balancing act, act in health. It's I can, essentially consumers are stretching their dollars so thin where it's I can, afford this or that. It's not, we're no longer putting bold items in our cart, whether it's the Amazon cart or the grocery cart, it's finding value overall. Which goes back to what you were talking about, giving me an experience. Is this, you know, was this worth it? When comparing things, are people starting to do more generic brands, like moving away from the name brand and moving towards, you know, the Walmart brand or the, you know, the Target brand, whatever it is. And if so, do they feel like they're compromising for flavor? Consumers are definitely moving to store brand products, but there has been a huge influx of high-end premium types of store brand products. So Target has their Good and Gather brand. A lot of times it's price competitive to the actual brand name and they have more interesting flavors or that has unique, cute little packaging, which draws your eye to it, which makes consumers like, oh, that's nice, right? When they're showing the pictures of their pantries organized in these cute little bins and you have this cute little package here, right? I need that. Exactly. It's how can I show others what it is that I have? And the consumers think about it that way as well. Not only are they paying less, it might taste better. It might come from a brand that they trust. I think there's a lot of things that go in through the consumer's minds in order to make that decision. 
Target actually does this cool thing that I think other stores are also doing maybe on a, a lesser level. Like I've seen it at Aldi too, are those prepared meal bags, um, like a HelloFresh kind of thing. You go in and in the bag is all the good and gather materials with the recipe on the back of the bag, which is really cool. I've done at least three or four of them for my family and it, it feeds all four of us no problem. And it's good. It's good food. Like it tastes, it tastes like something I would make from scratch. You know, I'm not top of the line when it comes to chefs, but you know, I can do a pretty good job. If consumers are purchasing these store-bought products or whatnot, and they're not purchasing other products, they must be redefining that value some way or another. How are they doing that? So they're essentially looking to your pan, looking to their pantries and saying, okay, what is it that I have? What can I make? But companies are now starting to offer new ways or taking the question out of the consumer's minds of how they can use something. So Cheetos created a duster where you take the Cheetos, put them into like a bullet essentially and grind them down. And now you have like a breadcrumb type to bread some chicken and you can add some chula or whatever you want to create a spicy chicken. Um, also, there's companies that are taking the rinds from fruits and actually turning them into edible fruit because that is what is disposed of most, right? You peel an orange, you throw it away, you eat the inside, the outside of the pineapple, the kiwi. So it's zero waste snacks, right? So they're taking the outside part that would be discarded and turning it into an edible snack. Like compost kind of thing. Exactly, right? They're, they're doing that. There's also a brand in the UK that created chutney on, on the label, it says, for leftovers, right? So they're they're answering the question of, all right, I can take this chicken, I can add this chutney and turn it into a completely different dish because my house leftovers are not eaten. Yeah. They're a lot, eaten a lot more than they were pre-COVID, but now you have to find new ways to make them exciting. Yep. Or they die in that plastic dish in the refrigerator. Yep. Yep. I have a mold collection right now that are called leftovers in my house. Absolutely. I've seen this too, where the snack is getting a new use kind of thing or, you know, making more value out of their snack by offering, for example, snacks that have like powders to them that get on your fingers. They're being sold with like chopsticks or tongs so that you can reach in there and without getting your fingers dirty. I don't know if you've saw, seen this on, uh, in She-Hulk, it was this big thing in She-Hulk on, on Disney Plus where Bruce, the Hulk, was eating Cheetos with chopsticks and his cousin, Jen, was like, why are you doing this? And right there, a, a perfect example of, you know, adding value to your snack or to your flavor. All right, let's go on to number five here. And number five is called what? Within reach. So convenience, right? Think of all of the times you've ordered DoorDash or had your groceries delivered. I think... The pandemic caused consumers to have that need it now mentality where like, I need it now, right? Like, I don't want to wait for it to be delivered tomorrow with Amazon. I, I need it now. So convenience is a trend that is not going away. Or I need it now because it won't be there tomorrow for whatever reason. Remember the uh, toilet paper crisis kind of thing? I never forget that. With this new convenience that people need, I mean, we've seen parking lots that have been changed with not just handicapped parking lot, which should be there, obviously, but also people waiting, you know, to have their orders brought to them kind of thing. And I still do that. I'll still, you know, it helps cut down on time. You know, I'm at work. I've got five minutes during lunch where I can be like, okay, let's put together my grocery list so I can just pick it up on the way home before picking up the kids. So absolutely. What other time saving things or notions or drills are people going so you mentioned the, the Home Chef-esque kits mm -hmm. that we can purchase at grocery stores. So those are definitely 
There's also customizable frozen. In France, there's basically you get a meal and then there's four different packet options. So you have essentially 37 different offerings for you to create any type of meal. But it's it's pretty much everything from delivery. I'm a huge fan of Walmart Pop Plus, so it makes it convenient for me to have it delivered or picked up. But they're also throwing in things like discounts on gas, so adding more value, making it convenient, free Paramount Plus, right? Like they're they're making it a, a well-rounded benefit and worth your money overall. I did have like a trial period of a lot of different easy-to-get products. Like we tried Ugly ugly vegetables or ugly fruit or ugly produce, I think it was called. I've seen misfit. Imperfect. That's it. We, we did try the Paramount Plus thing as well. I won't say, you know, good or bad, you know, but we definitely tried a lot of those uh, just for the convenience of, you know, not, couldn't go out. All right, Pamela, you know the drill. We're up to our takeaways. What can we give to our listeners for, you know, to wrap up this in a nice, pretty package, something we don't want them to forget? We talked a lot about a balancing act in all of the different trends that we talked about. So consumers have essentially been forced to balance health with price, convenience, but ultimately taste is one that comes to the top. And they're seeking out brands that they can trust. So balance with consumers, give them what they're asking for, and they will always come back for more. Number two is experiential value. So they want to have that experience, but they want it to be affordable. They're willing to spend money when it's worth it. So remember that but also meet consumers where they are. They want to stretch their dollars, but you don't want to be that product that they're putting in the cart and then regretting it later because they won't come back to purchase. Number three, flavor matters. Ultimately, we have to say that we're a flavor company. Our job is to make things taste good, but it always will be number one for consumers. Awesome. Thank you for those three tips. Thank you for joining us today. Let's do my off-the-cuff questions here. Starting with, I don't know how well you know the Back to the Future trilogy, but I want to know which one's your favorite. Number one. Absolutely. 100%. Agreed. Well done. Not that I'm biased, but I totally love the first one. Uh, the third one just didn't do it for me. It I remember just... seeing him in the theater as a kid, and there was like, the, the you had the expectation of number one was so good, and like, you're all, you're often disappointed, but yeah. because the, the bar was raised so high, so definitely number one. Yep. Number two... What is the the quick fix shortcut that you use when you're talking about convenience? Well, I just order out. <laughs> <laughs> it's pizza. Like, oh, I guess we're going to have pizza tonight, right? Or it's something frozen, right? It's those frozen little quick things we pick up at Trader Joe's where you have your orange chicken. It's really easy to go, right? It's, or we have breakfast for dinner. But that's only when my husband's not home. I think that's the best. My kids think that's the best. And they have no idea that it's just because I, you know, literally break an egg in a pan and here you go. Exactly. Awesome. All right. Well, that's it for Flavor University Podcasts. I'm Corey Doucette. And I'd like to thank our special guest, Pamela Oscarson, for joining us today. Thanks for listening. And until next time, the flavor of McCormick Fona is the flavor of life. So go out and taste it. 